We're on a mission to help golfers from all over the world achieve their goals by understanding what it actually takes to play their best golf. We're talking with leading instructors, researchers, and players themselves to find what is actually working. Hey, thanks for joining us today. You are listening to one of our partner shows. It is the Tour Coach Podcast with Tony Ruggiero. He has some phenomenal guests on talking about teaching tour pros. He'll have his players on. Just always a great show. Today was another great episode. I want to share that with you here on the Golf Science Lab Podcast. Let's get into it. So here we are on the tour coach. One of the things I love to do, I think people know, is I love to mess around on Instagram and I'm always piddling around and posting stuff. And, and one of the points of, you know, this podcast has been to really kind of point out some of the cooler people and the things that I've found through, you know, players, coaches, teachers, and people I've met, gotten to know a little bit through coaching and teaching and the travels. And one of them through Instagram and, uh, talking to, my buddy here, Armando, from the Lee Trevino fan page, Lee's number one fan page, Rick Lamb, who we tried to get on this and we couldn't make the connection work, is the one that shared it with me first. Armando, how the heck you doing, buddy? I'm doing tremendous. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. i got to tell you, so I think you're one of the best golf sites on Instagram. The stuff you post, I want to talk a little bit about, so you're not a golf teacher, correct? No, no, no. I'm, I'm a weekend warrior. I think it's fascinating, the stuff. And we've messaged a little bit back and forth. I really do. I think the stuff you put out there, like, is some of the best out there. And it blows my mind, the stuff that you put out there for not being a teacher. Talk a little bit about your fascination with Trevino and the stuff you put out. And kind of like, how the heck did you come to be doing this? I think it came about just through sheer frustration. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I think that I'm one of the, you know, the generation now that, a little bit older and grew up with the internet. And then, um, you know, I think it's just a product of the exposure of all kinds of information out there and me and, and, and what I actually do, I'm actually an architect by trade. So I figured if I could reverse engineer a, a window detail or, or something like that, <laughs> or a floor plan, I could figure out, you know, maybe I could hit this little pill down the fairway a little bit more often. What do you shoot when you play? It varies, you know, uh, working stiff. So during the pandemic, I got the plus four, but these days it's probably about a three. I've seen so, your action. It's pretty good. I've seen it. Yeah, a lot of, now, lot of hard work on, on those uh, days I can sneak out to play nine. So, but um, so, I don't know. My, my, my goal was really just to, you know, I, I got really kind of frustrated trying different methods here and there, and I just figured, you know, let me go straight to one of the top three out there, see, see what he's got. I always loved his humor. My uncle introduced me to the game when I was about 10 years old or so. And, you know, now that I got a little bit of chump change to go play more, I figured, well, let's see what I can do and see if uh, golf could help me in business because I got started a little late. One of the things I've enjoyed about your site, though, and and one of the reasons I I mean, picking your brain is I think that you're, you know, I mean, I think you're one of a lot of people out there that are getting your information like, you know, intelligent guys, business people, pretty good players, but you've you've tried to go figure it out and fix it yourself and kind of really in, figure out and kind of reverse engineer what's going on. And you've used the lots of videos and a lot of the content and the information that's out there to do that. And I think that's a big part of the population now. 
Yeah, I think so. I think I think Mr. Trevino had an interview recently, and he said that yeah, like you know, golf has gone that way, and you know, a lot of us out there were just kind of you know, you'd, you'd grab a video here and there through YouTube or whatever or Instagram, and you find one video that works with your grip, another one that works with your takeaway, another, and you kind of Frankenstein it a little bit, and yeah. To me, I think that, you know, I've seen other people kind of give Hogan his due. Mm-hmm. And I thought, you know, maybe, you know, during the pandemic, I was like, ah, you know, I'm working from home a lot. Maybe I give Trevino a little bit of his due. Because, um, you know, he was uh, Hogan's club tester when he rose to prominence in the 70s. So that was, that was a pretty cool, you know. So um, I'm kind of trying to work out, figuring out how to uh, put together a book for it. So and, and kind of see where that journey is going. So no, I'll, you know, I'm going to buy that book. So you got one, <laughs> yeah. you got one sold. Right? Yeah. I, I do have a little workbook out there that kind of just kind of breaks down because his book is out of print. And so it's gone really high in price. And a lot uh-huh. of folks just reached out to me online. They're like, I love these little quotes that you post and, you know, a, a little bit of like, you know, kind of some of his swing theory and some of the screenshots. And, you know, I get on eBay and it's going for 200 bucks. And they're like, well, I'd rather, you know, go take a lesson if I'm going to pay 200 bucks for an out-of-print book. <laughs> so watching all these videos of yes. Buck, right? Lee Trevino, yes. Mary Max. Yes. Let's start by talking about the things you figured out. What have you figured okay. out through watching videos? And what's different? Here's what I'm curious about. What's uh-huh. different than maybe some from the stuff you figured out than than like traditional lessons and stuff. Cause you watch all the stuff that's out there. Heck I know sure, you do yeah. cause you comment on my stuff. It's like, I know you watch the stuff that's out there. Like what have you figured out through watching videos and researching and doing this stuff with your kind of your fascination, if you will, with Trevino that's helped sure. you that maybe like traditional stuff people wouldn't figure out. That there's, uh, well, I don't know. This, uh, everyone's feel is a little different, of course. Mm-hmm. But what I started with was just kind of going through in sequence, reading it all the way through once. He's got right. two publications. And, you know, the biggest difference I've noticed is that he's got a lot less moving parts. He's almost using the, I guess, the, the, the weight transfer and the, you know, the, the momentum of the club and, and the momentum back to deliver the club rather than, trying to work out how many degrees your club is supposed to fan open, how much, you know, wrist cock you should add, how much wrist you should release. He, he kind of thinks more, uh, a little bit more vague than that. And, and so my, yeah. I, I took it upon myself to kind of see, well, what did he mean, right? What is he trying to talk about? And so one of the really big things for me to realize was, you know, when, when people look at, you know, his swing, it's a little unusual. Well, what was mm-hmm. the reasoning for that? Well, the reasoning for that, he just started from impact and he worked his way backwards. So he was okay. trying to, at the time with, you know, tiny little blades, right? Butter knives, a little bit bigger than the Bellotta ball, a persimmon driver with, in many cases, a ton of loft and a lot of spin. Back then, the premium was, can you square that blade up? And so he worked it out to where he was trying to figure out how can I elongate this flat spot? How can I get that as long and as, you know, facing and, and the, the target as long as possible? And I so love that, by the way. 
Yeah, I love that. Back there. I, I talk about that a lot. And my good friend, and I'm sure you've seen me tag him on Instagram and stuff, Wayne Flint. When I was learning, uh-huh. he would always talk about the flat spot at the bottom, right? Yeah. You know, and about, you know, trying to leave that face. I always say, like, you're trying to leave that face in there and on that flat spot as long as you can, right? Yeah. And I, that's yeah. one thing I love about the stuff you, you're saying. Yeah, and that comes from him, you know. But, yeah, so, like, the flat spot, you know, he, he would say, you know, there's quotes out there of him saying, you know, the most important part of this golf swing is a foot before and a foot after. And that kind of ties into, well, if I'm just going to let the swing pick up the ball for me on the way through, how do I reverse that? And then that led to, okay, well, he opened up his stance not to just exclusively play a cut, which is what traditional, I don't know, instruction would encourage us to, like, mm-hmm. you know, if you, can, if you can open up that stance, well, you're going to allow, you know, the club path to be a little bit left of the face, right? But what he was doing was he was working off of this, quote, unquote, brink of disaster theory. If he's aimed 40 yards left, he's not going to try and hit the, you know, the gallery. <laughs> He's going to try and open up that. <laughs> that would that would be an interesting British Open highlight video. But, um, you know, by doing that, that's allowing him on purpose to come from the inside. And the biggest discovery for me was just learning how to hit a full face fade from the inside, right? And then mm-hmm. after you work out the flat spot, okay, well, the takeaway is encouraging that move to the inside. And... You know, I had to find my own way, like his way, his feel to kind of shallow the thing out was breaking his knees or or kind of adding a little bit of a slide to it. And that kind of clued me into, well, wow, he really had passive hands all the way through. And, um, you know, who else did talk about passive hands? Uh, On a certain level, Hogan talked about it, but he also mentioned he wanted three right hands. So, you know, there's, there's always that play of like feel, what did they feel? What did they actually do? You know? And I think that's where I love watching your videos on uh, YouTube where, you know, you kind of blend the philosophy of the flat spot, but also dip your toes into the tech, which is really an interesting uh, method or a methodology. You know, I, I think for players now, and this would be a good question for you, right? Cause like certainly teaching somebody like you, that's a good player now or a Rick lamb. I mean, you have to be able to play, which I think the older generation, the Trevinos, were way better at playing golf, right? Yes. I mean, I think they were way better at understanding their own golf swing and really better at figuring out what they had to do. Yes. And I think that, you know, nowadays I think the best coaches and the best teachers have the ability to use technology to explain and help people understand things because you've got to because everybody's got access to it. And if you're, as a coach, you're not able to do that. There's just going to be a huge part of the people that come to you that you just miss. You can't help them, right? Right. But I think to help them actually play golf better, which like you said, hey, I'm trying, I'm I'm trying to get back to being a plus four, right? I'm trying to, I want to be as good as I can be. I think you got to do nowadays, you got to be able to do both, don't you think? Yeah, I think that, you know, there's, there's two asks, right? You're going to have, if you've got a patient coming in, with a sore knee or someone clutching their chest, you're going to have two different prescriptions, right? You're going to have mm-hmm. your diagnosis. And, and sometimes the player just needs, I, I think, you know, the, you know, a, uh, a beginner player probably just needs one or two things to work on. And as soon mm-hmm. as they, you know, start hitting 
two or three more fairways around, they're they're coming back. They're they're pretty pumped, you know. Yeah. The better player, I think, all that tech really is to kind of get them back to what they were doing well because those fields fluctuate. I always tell people when they say, you know, like one of the questions I get, because everybody calls me old school, but for a guy that's old school, I've got more technology in that building than anybody, you know? <laughs> and, and I mean, yeah. I got a hundred thousand dollars worth of craft in there, but I'm always like, you know, it's just interesting. Like I always say, I really, the one, the, where it really occurred to me, the need for it was I always go back to my example was when I taught Smiley Kaufman and out of college turning pro, and he had this run where he played phenomenal golf, made to the final group in Augusta, and we all know since then he's had his struggles, but he's a great, great guy, okay, mm-hmm. and we don't work together anymore, but I always wish, like, during that run, I didn't have a swing catalyst, and I really didn't have, like, a track man that I used, like, I didn't have that much data. He had his feels, yeah. but then, you know, when those feels are gone and you start struggling, it's hard to get back, and it's hard to prove to him what they were doing, too. Right. I always wish I would have had that for that case. And I think that that's, uh, you know, I'm sure there's been other cases. And I mean, you know, where there's been players lose it. And you you wonder, like, if you wonder with older players, like, you wonder, like, I always wonder, like, I think guys like Trevino and Nicholas would have been just as good or great with the technology today. Because I think it would have just helped them understand their own selves better, you know? Yeah, I think that they would adapt. I mean, that that mindset that they had, you know, that they would figure things out. I kind of think, you know, that number one, despite how much people downplay Nicholas the short game, you don't get to where you are without tremendous skill, you know. You don't turn a 75 into a 71 without some short game. Like, that's just... Right. And he's, you know, one of the greatest putters of all time. And whenever mm-hmm. they talk about Trevino, unfairly, they talk about his two bunker shots he missed, right, in the, in the mm-hmm. uh, U.S. Open playoff in 71. Right. But, you know, you have to have that. And I think one of the interesting things in my research was how good of a chipper Trevino was, right? So oh. how good, you know, they were from 100 yards in. It, it's, they're capitalizing on those things. And I think in a case like, you know, like a younger player that, you know, is looking for those fields or those lulls. I mean, statistically, what they, I think it was, uh, the guy who posts all those, um, all those stats on Twitter. I think it's Lou Stagner or somebody like yeah, that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, he, he broke it down to like, you know, these players are making most of their cash in five events a year. That's five good right. weeks out of 50. You know, they, they play 30 some events a year. Five weeks they're making most of their cash. Well, what are they doing those other 25 weeks? They better have a good chipping and putting game. And I, I, I think that, in terms of feel, the reason I, I stuck with this experiment is that I used to kind of be like most, you know, casual fans. Whoever won that week, I'm going to watch the, you know, the, 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 <laughs> the golf channel and the magazine and who came out this week, and I'm going to put my arm in that position. And, you know, I just had to pick someone who had a similar body type to my own. That, that was really what, what it boiled down to. You know, I'm, I'm on the shorter side, stockier limbs, and... You know, how, do you, how, how could I, you know, borrow a little bit of that? And I, th- I think those fields that come and go, you know, short game could probably help push you onto that, that next when it, when, it, when it turns around and everything feels easy again. Let me ask you another question from your research and the deep dive you've done into Trevino. And sure. I'm curious about this with really all great players. 
I mean, I've always got the sense that they had a few different fields that maybe all trying to accomplish the same thing that they could kind of rotate through when something went off. Have you found that? Like, you know, you know, some of the great players I've been around, like, they, you know, like, because sometimes the same field doesn't work week in, week out, right? And, you know, you feel yeah. different, things are going different. Have you found yeah. that to be the case? Absolutely. So there's a chapter where he talks about, well, how far left do you go, right? How far open do uh-huh. you do? He described it in as little as five degrees open to 40 degrees open, regardless of the club. And, you know, and that field, you know, one day maybe your legs are a little more active. One day maybe they're a little, you know, sluggish. He would talk about that. And he would say, you know, I knew that I had to play with a slight pull or hook when my legs got tired. Because he had, like, one of the most dynamic lower body actions, right? What did he say about his lower body? What did he say about his lower body action? What did he try to do? Well, he emphasized a lot on lateral moves, lateral mm-hmm. action. So to say, you know, like he was, uh, he would post up on, on one side or be 50-50 or 70-30, or, I haven't seen it. I think that he, like all good players, has to load to that trail side some. I think yeah, he has to kind 100%. of create that room. Because if you're not loading on the back side, how can you clear to the front, right? If you're already right. on the front, you're, you're going to throw the club out. But he also talked about, like, wedge play, right? A lot of it was, okay, so from the outside, everyone assumes, like, well, you know, he just plays cuts all the time. He actually preferred to draw his short iron. Mm-hmm. He played with an open face once he got, you know, eight, nine wedge in his hand. And he played with that. And there's a... Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a cool video from last year's uh, Father Son where he was talking to uh, Tiger Woods on, on, on the driving yeah. range over here. You know, he's just having a, a fun little chat with Tiger. And, you know, after all, all, all his, you know, one-liners, <laughs> he was talking to Charlie about it. And then Tiger turns to Charlie and he says, he's why we draw our wedges. <laughs> so there's like a through line there, right? He's always been consistent right. about his advice. He also gave, uh, you know... And, and some of his tips are a little different that they're not, they kind of go back to the, the uh, disaster theory, right? When he's going to draw right. one, he, he weakens his grip a lot so that if he flips it a little too much, it won't overcook. It, it just like, he just has like this, like, you know, kind of this, uh, this kind of like, I don't know, this uh, different out of the box kind of thinking, you know? I would think a lot of that has to come from that disaster theory, right? Has to come from the fact that he was always playing for money to scrape by, right? Got you know, be. don't you? Yeah. It's got to be from part of that. Whereas, like, understanding that always being in the hole is better than the disaster, you know? It's really interesting. And one other point before I, I kind of lose my, my thought here one of the things was uh, part of that reverse engineering and kind of figuring out, well, you know, how can I get a little better was the acoustics. Everyone talks about his acoustics mm-hmm. and how, how other players would stop by and listen. And you'd have Sneed walk by. And he was at that intersection where, you know, Sneed and Hogan were at the tail end and people like Johnny Miller were getting into the game, right? And yeah. they were known, you know, Miller was known as one of the best middle iron players, right? So what would make someone, you know, a young hotshot like that come by and listen to you know, the mid-career Torino. Yeah. Who, you know, all these major champions, why would they stop by? And it, a lot of it came from that flat left wrist. And um, mm-hmm. 
one of the things I found was that, you know, having that bow didn't necessarily come from the strong left hand, which was really interesting in the research. So that kind of, that's one of those things that like the deeper I dive into it, the easier it is to kind of repeat the, the action. And the, once I, once I have some idea of what that feel is to repeat what I have to do to, you know, take out the left side or add a little left shape to it, then I can go back to different things. So I don't know if did, I answered your question. Did, <laughs> there did, are multiple. Trevino... Well, yeah, that, and, I, and I love that because I think, I think, you know, just, I mean, I haven't been around every one of them, but I've been around a decent number of great players. And just when you observe, like I've always found that they've got a couple different fields that they prefer to go to. Right. Yeah. You know, and, uh, you know, you know, I just know from like my years with Lucas, I mean, there were a few fields that you just knew when things got, you know, if things got a little shaky out there, or a little bit struggling and he'd go back to those fields. Cause you know, they, they created something, him doing something that he liked, you know, but I think that goes back to what we talked about in the beginning about, mm-hmm. you know, these guys understood their own golf swing. Right. Yeah. And I think that, you know, and I think that like, what you've done through reverse engineering and what I'm a big fan of for people listening to us is like, I mean, everybody should go out there and start with impact and figure out how to make, how they got to control the face and make it go straight Yeah, or control. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I grew up in the, I'm 38 now and I, I grew up at the height of the, the tiger era, you know, mm-hmm. and everyone was assuming a lot of that action, you know, and, mm-hmm. you know, how could we not? We didn't have the tech at the time. It was kind of odd to see someone with a some kind of radar on the range, right? Now everybody's got one. Right. I mean, my out here in Florida, in Orlando, when it's when it's raining, I'm, I'm, at, I'm at the PGA store on the quad, man, working on my wedges. So there's a lot being said at that, era, at, at that time, that era, where, you know, you had to load up the wrist or you didn't have to load the wrist. And now you have to throw the club and watch how he posts up really hard. And that's fine if you have a basic understanding and you know what to do. But a lot of these, I think, analysts, they're doing the best they can with uh, a producer in the ear saying, hey, you got 15 seconds. Talk about this thing right now. <laughs> and so yeah, I, I, I went down that rabbit hole a little bit. Some of the criticism people give the announcers, I think, is, I think is, is, is unjust. Because I don't think, uh, you know, and I get you can – you could criticize anybody for anything nowadays, but (laughs) until you've sat there with a headphone on and you got to make a thought and you're trying to explain to a mass of people and you got 10 seconds before they're going to go to another player. Yeah. You know, I I don't know that you'd be hard to judge. Right. Yeah. 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 Which, which leads me to the, you know, kind of finding those clips where Trevino's announcing, Mm -hmm. he had the uh, announcer spot before Johnny Miller, which I didn't know. So it was, uh, he was, I think, I think he was, uh, I think he had started a year before he won the 84 PGA, which is okay. insane to me. Like, I can't imagine an announcer going out and winning a major unless it was like, you know, Phil or somebody, but it's just, you know, from the announcing, the, the announcing that I saw, he was very fair and he always kind of just kind of understood, you know, at that level that, you know, I, I, I don't think that unless you're like a, a player that, you know, has has lived that life. I, I don't think you could really like fairly, you know, pounce on a decision that a player makes under the gun. I've always thought, you know, I was a big Trevino fan. My two favorite players were Lee Trevino and Ben Crenshaw is my all time favorite. 
Oh, I played man. some college golf in Lincoln, Texas. Okay, man, uh, you gonna start a Ben Crenshaw fan page for me? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I got a couple of eighty eight oh twos in the garage resting up right now. So. But I always thought, I always, I thought that Trevino would be more popular nowadays where things like don't have to be buttoned up as much. And with social media, you can kind of say a little more what you want. People are a little more out there with funny. Like, I think maybe, you know what I'm saying? Like, I, I yeah. Just, yeah. You know, cause like you said, he was outside the box for his time. Right. I mean, for sure. Outside uh, the box all times. I mean, the, most golfers, I mean, myself included. I mean, like the only time I'm like really chatty is when I'm nervous. And so mm-hmm. that's why, that's why I think the one thing that I gravitated toward him was like a, what was his what was his thing to keep him even keeled, you know? He would just kind yeah. of let that personality shine through and kind of deflect a little bit. I think that's still yeah. very rare. I mean, most of these guys, they'll say a, a few odd jokes to their caddy and, and move on, but I can't imagine, you know, that being the, the norm ever. And I think that's why people loved him, because he was him. And, yeah, you know, I've always tried, and I get criticized sometimes, like, I mean – for stuff I say or whatever, but like I try to be me right on these podcasts. And when I teach, like, I, I, I think people like that though, you know, yeah. I don't, I don't, I think people gravitate towards like him. And I think that's why he's always been so popular with the masses. And I think that, but I, I, I've just found your journey where you try to become, improve your game and to become mm-hmm. a plus four is more than becoming a good player, but <laughs> through trying to figure out, you know, what he did. And I, I also find yeah. the whole body type thing fascinating because, you know, obviously the guys like Mike Adams out there have done a lot of research and study, you know, mm-hmm. on how the golf swing changes based on, yeah. on, uh, on the body type. Yep. And I think you kind of have found bits and pieces of that through your reverse engineering and you've done it in an uncomplicated kind of way that makes sense to you that you could go do, you know? Yep. I mean, yeah, like you wouldn't uh, pick DJ to go try to swing like, right? I mean, you know, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm the furthest from a six, four Fijian, but <laughs> we're, uh, we're trying, we're trying. No, um, you're trying, yeah, no, but it's, it's been great. Yeah. It's been really fun. Have you had pretty good feedback on the page? Have you, I mean, have you had anybody reach out to you or contact you kind of surprised by? Yeah. You know, it's been interesting. I kind of struck up a kind of a, an acquaintance, uh, with uh, one of his actual friends, George Lopez, uh, from the sitcom. <laughs> so he was like, man, uh, let me share some pics with you if you want to kind of take a look and, and we'll we'll chat a little bit. That's been kind of a, a, a fun one. Other cool ones that have reached out, Claude Harmon, he follows us, and Butch also follows us. And, and it's been mm-hmm. really cool to just kind of, you know, we'll send each other kind of little heart statuses of like, the you know, the stories or whatever. But um, it's been quite the journey, man. Really interesting stuff. You know, if you're getting, really, you getting Butch and Claude to follow you, you're doing some good stuff. I hope so. So, um, you know, next step is to try and figure out how we, how I get George in George's ear to get me to go play a, a nine hole with uh, Lee himself. So that'd be great. Well, if anybody's listening out there, I've been trying to. You and I have messaged about this. I am yeah. dying. Rick Lamb and I are both dying. We want to go pick yeah. his brain. And tape yeah. one of these podcasts, right? So yeah. if, if anybody out there is listening to Armando and I, and you know how we can get to go sit down with Lee, please let us know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that'd be great. Yeah. 
All right. So what do you got? What, where's your journey taking you next? Do you know? I mean, what do you, what do you got left to figure out in the golf swing? Is there anything that's still puzzling you that you're, or that you're working on from stuff you found kind of where, where do you think this is going to take you? That's a great question. <laughs> I have a good question. Every now and then. Most of the time it. it's all I'm just thinking about when I'm going to hit the next bucket of balls here before I got to finish the baby room. <laughs> <laughs> that's why we had to squeeze this podcast and we squeeze it in between baby duty. Oh my gosh! Yeah, he, he's on the way. He's on the way. He's every time he kicks my wife, I'm I'm saying he's practicing his backswing. He's trying to do the figure eight. <laughs> <laughs> no, the next journey oh, is to is to uh, um, just you know go through the local uh, events here. Maybe you know try one of these qualifier deals. I, I'd love to do that stuff. You know, I mean, the, yeah. the biggest thing for me is just um, if I can get out playing wise. Because there's a big difference. There's a big, a vast, you know, canyon between the range and the and the course, and you got to see that ball fly past trouble and stuff like that. So right. Yeah. No. I mean, I just went. You know, I won a uh, seven out of my eleven uh, league little events at Disney over here. So I'm kind of. I love it. I'm about to get Bobby locked out of my tour over here. <laughs> well, let me tell you, I I don't want people to get too good at doing this, or I won't have a job. <laughs> Don't worry, don't worry. I'm 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 really happy making uh theme park rides over here. So we're we're happy about that. <laughs> Armando, you're the best. The Instagram handle is Lee Trevino's number one fan club, correct? Lee Trevino fans at Instagram and on Lee, Lee uh, Trevino fans. Yep, that's it. And give and it a follow. It's We're working on it. It's my favorite. Literally, you know I comment on everything you put up. And uh, I appreciate um, you. And I'll tell you what, like but we've I've learned we've learned stuff. Uh I know Rick Lamb. I mean, Rick has, I mean, he has gone to this. I've shared some videos with you before with really opening up his stance. He's a lefty, yeah. but really opening up the stance, yeah. playing that ball back to really flight shots and hit controlled. I mean, and it, it, it's it's pretty to watch. I mean, it just shows that we can all learn from stuff. And, and it's cool to me that somebody that isn't a teacher, though, went and figured this out. And, and then from the Internet, the relationships we join. And hopefully next time I'm in Orlando, we can sit down and have a beer. Fantastic. I'll take mine IPA. <laughs> I, I'll tell you what, I'll be happy to buy you one. That, that sounds great. But anyway, hey, I keep up yeah, all the great go. work. <laughs> we'll, we'll look forward to hearing more from you. We'll do this again. Hopefully we do this with Lee sometime. 10-4. Thank you. 